When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey hun, it's me, Danielle. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to From Hunts to Humans. I am so excited. Um, I'm pretty sure this is going to be my last episode of 2022 when this comes out. So uh, happy holidays and um, I will see you in the new year. But anyways, I'm so excited to have my guest here today, which is Anais. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um you might know her as um oh my god maiden mother crone ca on instagram also on tiktok yes yes i just found your tiktok yesterday too yeah it's growing really fast (laughs) i wasn't quite prepared but uh it's nice it's fun i get to have a lot of conversations that's awesome so i know that you weren't specifically in an mlm but can you tell us about like how MLMs have entered your life and like what got you like kind of going down this path of yeah absolutely um so I specifically remember a time when I was 16 I was I was nanny I used to nanny a lot um uh during the summers I would do like sort of the two months while their parents were at work and this family that I nannied for I got uh, an invitation to some sort of like dinner thing or whatever uh from the mom and I was like that's kind of weird but whatever like I was really into acting at the time and they were both actors so I was like yeah like I can you know use this sort of connections and stuff right um so I show up at the party and I'm thinking like oh maybe there will be some theater people or like film people there no it's a full Arbonne party (laughs) and like I didn't really know at 16 sort of what MLMs were like what network marketing was and stuff but I knew that my mom 
hated the idea of them. So the minute I walked in and sort of figured out what's going on and luckily my mom was with me she was like nope <laughs> and uh and and I was just like okay so this is not gonna be like the night that I thought it was but maybe I can still you know socialize and and network <laughs> my own um but it was yeah it was weird and uncomfortable because it's just like a bunch of it was funny because you could tell I could tell at 16 I could tell that the women there did not care about the products did not want to buy into it like maybe would buy something from you know the host because she's like a friend or something but like none of them were you know jumping on board to to be sort of in the the MLM community and um it was also interesting because the first thing I noticed was that all the women with careers and jobs had no interest in it but the women who were um, stay-at-home moms, specifically the ones whose children were getting older and were now in school full-time, uh, were very interested. And I think that that kind of was my first realization of the way in which MLMs prey on women, specifically women who may or may not have had the opportunity beforehand to create an identity or figure out who they are apart from having a family. Yeah, and I really like having these conversations on the podcast and like deconstructing how all of this stuff happens mm-hmm. um, because, you know, a lot of us like we're just experiencing life and we're not really looking deeply into like how these systems are working like it really takes conversations like these to zoom all the way out and look at what's going on in the society and what patterns are happening. Absolutely. Um, and like, I, I just so appreciate you coming on and like having this conversation and I can't wait to like dive in more with you. Um, cause yeah, so I'm, nice. I'm thrilled. Honestly, this is stuff that I'm very, you know, interested in. I'm very interested in, um, you know, feminism, especially the way that it intersects with capitalism. So I think this is a, I'm very grateful to be able to come on here and, and talk about it. Yeah. So offline, <clears throat> we were talking a little bit about, um, how, you were talking about how the pyramid of multi-level marketing like directly mimics the pyramid of capitalism. Do you want to like talk about that a little bit? And like, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you look at um, capitalism, it's a pyramid, right? You have the 1% at the top making all the money and usually they're the ones doing the least amount of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you go down the, peri- the pyramid, the work becomes more and more taxing with less and less of a reward. And that is by definition, the way that, that multi-level marketing works, right? You've got the levels, you've got the people at the top who are, you know, the CEOs who are doing absolutely nothing, but profiting off of the work that everyone below them is doing. And then you've got the people, you know, who are higher and higher on the pyramid who have recruited more and more people. And the more people that they hire, the less or higher, the more people that they recruit, the less work they have to do, but the more money they make. And that's a direct parallel of capitalism. Right. And I think that's really interesting because that's kind of what, you know, the, the Huns come back and say to us, right. Is they're like, well, you're in a pyramid too, in your nine to five job. Yeah. And, you know, we're always talking about, well, no, it's about how the money flows and da, 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 da. And that's true when you're talking about a pyramid scheme, but when you're talking about capitalism, yeah, they do all direct, like, like the Huns are onto something. Yes. It all works the that. same way because mm-hmm. it is built the same way yeah um, the structure when, of course yeah, yeah. the structure yeah 
But then the way the money flows in a pyramid yes. scheme or a multi-level marketing company is different than the way like a corporate America company works. I think um, it's funny because I think it is and it isn't. It's it's because corporate America is on a larger scale, people are making more money than if they're in an MLM. But the reality is, is that in corporate America, everyone who's lower on the scale is making less and less money, right? They're right. doing the work to earn the money. So for example, like if you're in sales or something, you might sell a billion dollars for your company, but how much are you actually taking home of that? Right? You're not taking home that much money. So I think even in the way that the money flows, it's not the exact same, but I think it is similar in that, you know, the people at the top are making the most and the people at the bottom are making the least, despite the amount of work that everyone's doing, right? Yeah, that is a very good point. That is, that is actually a really good point. Um, and I think that, again, like, so again, trying to like deconstruct the argument of MLMs, right, mm -hmm. is that they're not making like a livable wage at all. Absolutely. And of course, an MLM is very, very different than a nine to five job in multiple ways, in ways that don't even necessarily include sort of cold, hard cash. You know, you're looking at benefits, you're looking at having HR, you're looking at having time off, you're looking at having vacation days, you're looking at, you know, health uh, health days, benefits, that kind of stuff, right? There's no question, you're looking at literally having work hours. Like there's no question that, the structure of how they work in terms of day-to-day -day life and, you know, what you're bringing home and stuff is absolutely different. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, people in, in corporate America don't necessarily make a livable wage, but they are making money for every hour that they are working. In an MLM, you are not making money for working, you are making money for what you produce. Right. And I think that's the the real, you know, key. The real key difference is that showing up to work in an MLM is not enough. Right. And and they're just like for you know the low level people, mm -hmm. you're not making even like the money that you're making to produce, you're not, it's still not enough money no, to like no. compensate for what's no, going it's on. A pit. Like, if it was as simple as what they were saying, like use the products, share them occasionally and make right. money whatever like yeah I guess that would be way more close to like an affiliate link but right. the no. realities of MLM life is that you are spending all of your time yes working. and that's exactly it right like in a, in a in a nine to five job you come to work you know so your work day starts at eight and your work day ends at five or whatever you know you're being paid from the moment you get there to the moment you leave. In an MLM, you could work 24 hours a day and not make a single cent. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's really upsetting. <laughs> that's yeah. really upsetting. I don't know why anyone would, would sign up for that. And I think um, that when people start out, they, they do typically start out with the like, oh, I'm just going to share this with my friends and family. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, occasionally you do get the person that's like, I'm all in, I'm going to go for it, yeah. whatever. But, you know, even then it still comes down to like, oh, I'm just sharing these products that I like and I'm using. And, you know, you kind of just feel like influencer, -y, especially now in the age of like, yeah, of social media. Um, but the cult of celebrity. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's such an interesting like phenomenon that we have. Yeah. But yeah, I think overall it starts out like so innocently where you're just like, whatever, like if I can make a couple bucks to like help me pay for this really expensive product. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing with MLMs too, is that 
you know, you're never getting the info up front. They don't tell you how much it actually costs to, not just the upfront like start costs, like the cost of getting the products and and advertising for the products and you know all that stuff. Like not to mention the cost of time. Like I personally like to measure my time and money and when I'm doing something I don't want to do, I should say, if I'm doing something I don't want to do, I like to measure that time and money and think about like, you know, how much, how much, if I was working, if I was doing something I didn't want to do, but working, at least I'd be getting paid, you know, but now I'm doing something I don't want to do and I'm not being paid. So I'm basically, you know, doing something I don't want to do for free for no one, you know, it's not helping anyone. Um, and I just think that's wild. Like I'd much, much prefer to be paid to do something I don't want to do than do something I don't want to do for free. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a trap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely a trap. And I think that, you know, just sort of going into the feminist aspect of it, I think that for a lot of, like, I understand for a lot of women, I understand the, um, sort of magical sparkle that it that it has before you know really what it is you know it, it, they're not upfront about what it is they're not upfront about it and even then um you know confirmation bias is a strong thing if you're looking for something that is easy for you to do if you're looking for something that you can do while being a full-time parent or while also working another job or while also, you know, dealing with all your other responsibilities and something falls into your lap, you're going to want that to work out. So you're going to try it, you know, and that's where the dishonesty comes in. Um, but for women who, you know, are full-time parents, for women who, you know, stay home with their kids and who are home 24-7 with their children, it's easy to feel like you don't have anything for yourself. It's easy to feel like you don't have a life outside of your kids. And it's very easy to feel like you are not contributing to your home. You know, your husband or your partner or whatever, like your wife, husband, life partner might come home with money after a full day's work. And that feels like an accomplishment. That feels like they have something to show for their day and they're contributing to the household income let me make this clear stay-at-home moms are absolutely contributing to the household there's no part of me that thinks that that is not an incredibly important job that is absolutely necessary and like you are contributing to your household I understand how it might feel like you aren't especially if you're someone who you know held jobs before you had children it's very easy to fall into that sort of who am I other than a mother rut. And I think that MLMs offer women who are in that rut, not only a space to connect with other women who are in that rut and who need to be uplifted in that moment and feel special, but it offers them a place to feel like they are contributing financially to their own lives. And I think that's very important for a lot of people to feel. Um, unfortunately, you're not contributing to the financial situation. You're only making it worse. Right. Right. And that's so detrimental, especially to, you know, the average family who, you know, if, if they're in that situation where they are stay at home moms and our economy is so bad right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, I just don't personally see a light at the end of the tunnel for that. Right. No, no. Especially because, you know, too many families, live just above the poverty line or at the poverty line so like they're fine as long as nothing big happens but if there was a medical emergency if there was you know if they needed sort of emergency funds they'd be in poverty right so I think that that sort of the the draw of you know make some extra money so if there's an emergency you have some 
that is so prescient. Um, but unfortunately it's a lie. Right. Or make enough money to like pay your car bill or whatever. Yeah, exactly. All of that stuff. It sounds so nice. Like, oh, wow, I could alleviate this bill. But meanwhile, you're making more bills because exactly you're spending all of this money on protein powder or makeup (laughs) or whatever. Pick your poison. Yeah, uh, literally. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And, you know, it's just it's ridiculously overpriced when you could go to Walmart and get a giant tub of protein powder for 15 bucks and you're spending, I mean, Shakeology is what, $120 for a 30 day supply. That's insane. It go is. get Vega. Go it get is. And the wild Vega. thing is that at least Vega is regulated. Right. And okay. we know it's not going to, well, I mean, it's, 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 it might be it's in re- Canada. It's it's regulated in the sense that it's not poison. It's not regulated in the sense that it it like so supplements um neither in Canada or the US I believe. Okay. Uh supplements aren't regulated in terms of um like testing so per pill every supplement you take is is basically bullshit. Um yeah. because there's no like they're not testing to make sure that every pill has the same amount in it. Mm-hmm. They're not testing to make sure every bottle has the same amount in it. Like it's 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 arbitrary. There was a a study done a while ago um that showed that uh in in the average supplement bottle each pill had between 1% and 99% of the amount of supplement that they said they did. So like, it's not regulated in that sense, but in the sense that it's not going to poison you, it's not going to kill you. It is regulated, right? Like um, it has to go through a certain process to make sure that it's not going to give you liver failure. Right. right. Which uh, I'm pretty sure Herbalife does not. Right. Uh, yeah. At least allegedly. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. <laughs> allegedly. Um, yeah. So <laughs> um, but yeah, anyone, I mean, I've talked about this regularly. Uh, please go listen to the dream podcast where she goes and like really, I think it's season two that uh they go and they really look at the supplement industry, or is it season one? I can't remember mm. now. It's been too long. I need to go back and re-listen myself. I also say that every time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. And just to like plug some really, I mean, I don't like, I'm not affiliated with them. I just really love them. And I've learned a lot from them. Um, Two creators I really like who have taught me a lot about nutrition and like food and sort of the actual science of it Mm -hmm. are um, food science, babe, who I'm sure a lot of you have already heard of because Mm -hmm. uh, she's responded to quite a a lot of uh, like MLM content. Um, So her name food science, babe. And the other one is Dr. Adrian Chavez. And he has a PhD in nutrition. So both very, um, so she's a food scientist and he's a PhD in nutrition. Yeah. They're both, uh, Dr. Adrian Chavez. Um, I quite like him as well. Uh, so they, I've learned a lot about, you know, you know, because the health industry is such a, um, it's all about like sales and it's all about, you know, you, it, it's the health industry is the same as the beauty industry, right? It's, it's just buy this stuff you don't need to make yourself look a certain way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I just went and followed both of them because I'd love to check them out. Yeah, um, they're great. It's been, I, I know I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast so far. It's been really interesting for me as I'm recovering from my time. I mean, I was in all wellness uh, business when I was in MLM and uh, between Beachbody and Plexus and Ixogenics and Arbonne, 
I have definitely come out of that with a lot of disordered eating. And so now like while I'm deconstructing all of that alongside my MLM stuff, and I feel like, so like, I feel like when I came out, I had to deconstruct the MLM stuff, mm-hmm. which, which I'd love to kind of go into a pivot on that too. Absolutely. So I'm going to pin that at the top. <laughs> uh, and then now I'm kind of going through deconstructing like my eating stuff. So it's been really hard for me as I'm like, I had all of these people that I was following, especially because my husband's a personal trainer. So like, you know, he's making friends in his community and Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know where, I don't know. We have like an interesting like chemistry online. So like sometimes we'll end up following each other as like subgroups. And so as I started following these people, I had to be like, Ooh, like you seem like a cool person, but like, I cannot watch you weigh yourself every day. And I can't watch you post like like, you know, I, I understand that posting calorie content sometimes as like an educational tool can like, you know, we do need to understand calories, right, right. but also like, there's a way to understand calories without obsessing over them and without yeah. it becoming your life. And like, sometimes like that line is just so blurry that I'm like, I cannot, absolutely, I cannot and, and, follow you anymore. <laughs> and I think that's a really good point though, too, in, in that you know, I don't follow any fitness accounts. I know that they're not, they're not inherently bad. You know, they can be, they can be, but they're not inherently bad. It's just, I personally can't handle that. I feel, it makes me feel guilty. It makes me feel, you know, I struggle with disordered eating as well. I've struggled a lot with my weight, um, you know, just in terms of how much I cared about it. Um, so I can't follow those accounts and that's not to say that they're doing bad things, you know, especially like, you know, um, I used to follow this, uh, this female bodybuilder. Um, and obviously that is a very different, like I'm not looking to bodybuild. So the type of stuff she's talking about, the type of like calorie cutting she's talking about, is not anything that I need to look into, but even sort of being adjacent to that started to make me sort of fall into old patterns. And I realized that's not safe for me right now. Right. Yeah. I I've been telling Nick that we need to do a podcast episode on his podcast about how, we've kind of, so he's training for a powerlifting competition, which does involve like right. powerlifting involves weight classes, Yes. Yeah. Um, which under, I understand that. And I think because I understand that has really helped me to not be as triggered by everything that right. he's doing. Um, but like, if I didn't understand that and I was just watching him go through a cut, I would be absolutely a mess absolutely yeah but like understanding like how mass moves mass and like trying to like you need to be around the same weight as other people for yeah like I understand that and that's anyways that's total total tangent you know (laughs) I think it's really interesting to like look at all of this stuff and like to see you know and be okay with like it's okay to remove myself from this circle yes yeah and I think that that's you know, just sort of bringing it back to to MLM a little. I think that's sort of part of the difficult part about leaving is leaving an MLM and having to sort of, you know, people who were your friends and who might still be very, you know, good people who you are very friendly with and deciding whether or not right now some of those pages or some of those relationships are healthy for you to stay in at the moment, you know, Um, because obviously when you leave, there's a lot of 
you know, like physically leaving is not the is not the end of the road. That's just the that's the first step, right? There's a lot of work that needs to be done in order to sort of remove the and unlearn all the sort of toxic stuff that you learned in an MLM. And I think that um, doing that work is very hard and it involves a lot of loneliness because it means having to leave behind some, you know, comforting uh, coping mechanisms or uh, strategies as well as people and, um, you know, groups and stuff. And that can be hard and that can be lonely, but, um, and you might be able to be friends with some of those people again, really, you might be, but perhaps at the moment, what you need is to take a step back from that, right? And reevaluate. This is something that is super interesting to me is because, oh, words. Um, but like the idea of like, not everything that we learned in MLM is bad, but also it's all entangled and trying to figure out what you can actually come away with and be like, this is fine. And this is not fine. Right. It's so hard. And it's something right. I continue to struggle with. Um, I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with. And I, again, this is another conversation I really like to have because I, I think I'm still processing it. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just so important to me, but like, so, you know, you can go any way with this, but there's like the diet stuff, like, you know, and like food stuff, like sure there, there might be some pieces in like that diet culture community that are true or like, you know, like some people like, uh, okay. Veggie veggies, most or drink water. Right. Like, right. okay. Like those are yeah. good tips. Those yeah. are good tips. Like, yeah. If you are looking to like find ways to nourish your body more, try to load your plate full of veggies. That's not yeah. a bad thing, but also yeah. like protein and, and like potatoes are not bad or evil, yeah. you know, like yeah. carbs un- are not bad. For yeah. You. Yeah. Like the demonization of food. So like, you know, if you can take away and be like, oh, well, like, you know, I started eating way more veggies, like fantastic. I'm so glad that you were able to take that away and be right. and create a new habit out of that. Right. And that is good for you. That's fine. Or, um, like positive affirmations what mm. a triggering topic for MLM right people, like positivity right? in general right Posit- yeah. yeah exactly like that toxic positivity um like affirmations are like real legit things and like there is like studies about how when you say affirmations into a mirror and are lo- watching yourself and hearing yourself out loud say affirmations that your brain starts to believe them more and that it works more for you. Mm-hmm. However, when you're combining that with like a mind control group that is overtly manipulating you and abusing you, mm-hmm. it's not a good thing because they are they are manufacturing those good feelings and they're connecting it with you like when I was in Arbonne, we had to do our gratitude list every day. Right. So I'm associating all of that gratitude right along with Arbonne. With Arbonne. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so messy. It is. And I think the other, like, that's kind of the idea of like, tools aren't necessarily the bad things. It's the way that we use them, right? Like, like you were saying, like, affirmations are great. You know, po- talking to yourself, like positive self-talk is a legitimate therapeutic like thing right but when you start obsessing over talking positively to yourself when you start obsessing over not feeling negative when you start obsessing over 
feeling gratitude over, you know, anger or, or anything, that's when it becomes toxic because those feelings are not bad. Like there's nothing inherently bad about feelings. They're just feelings and they're not wrong. It's obviously, you know, we get, it. it's the way that you deal with them, blah, blah, blah. Right. But not feeling positive about something not only is normal, but it's a very necessary thing. Like I think about, you know, when I feel bad about something or when I'm, you know, worrying about something, anxious about something, whatever, that's a clear cut sign that I need to look at that thing and figure out if that's working for me. So the idea that you should be ignoring those and replacing them with positivity is incredibly toxic. And it's asking you to forego your own safety. Right, exactly. And I do want to apologize. Uh, there's someone outside my house with a leaf blower. So if that sounds getting picked up. Can't I, hear anything. Oh, but... good, good, good. I've been yeah. trying to mute when he's like close. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that also part of that, like training to look for the positive when you're in MLM is also to help you disguise the red flags. Mm -hmm. And that is really, really hard for people to see too, because like, I totally get it. Like when I was in, everything was so great and I felt so good because everyone was positive and I had all these friends and everything was great. And I was reading all of these self-help books and I get really charged up by self-help books. (laughs) I really have to pick and choose which ones I like now that I'm out, I'm very careful and I'm they're yeah. very few and far between. It's usually things that I think like maybe like usually they're things that are written by other therapists right, uh, right. at this point. Um, but, you know, it's like that disguise and that mask over the cognitive dissonance. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the idea too that, um, you know, the, the idea too that, uh, any sort of like in MLMs, there's a very distinct, um, it's not just that they want you to be positive. It's that they actively try to like, they actively sort of chastise you for feeling negatively. Like if you come to your upline and say, you know, Hey, I'm struggling or, or I'm not making any sales or I don't, you know, don't really know what I'm doing here. I feel like I'm failing, blah, blah, blah. The vast majority of the time. And, and, you know, I know I've never been in an MLM, but this is going from stuff I've literally seen, like videos I've literally seen uplines post. Their response is always work harder, you know, do better. It's not, you know, I get it. It can be really hard. Like maybe you're experiencing burnout. Maybe you need to take a break. Maybe, you know, you need to just like pat yourself on the back for what you have accomplished. You know, there's none of that. It's always more, more, more oh, you feel bad? That's a moral failing on your part. You need to do your affirmations. You need to be more positive. You need to be more grateful. Negative feelings are not a moral failing. That is part of being alive. That is part of experiencing the world. So when you have people coming to ask for help and they're being told to just think positively or to, you know, change their mindset or to like, it's it's really not, that's not helpful. And that's not, you know, that's simply all that does is make the person who's asking for help feel even more like a failure because what you're telling them is that they should be able to do it by themselves and they can't. And when they try to ask for help, they won't get it. So they're completely alone. And I just think that's completely antithetical to a lot of the stuff that MLMs preach about community and about, you know, uh, positivity and stuff like that. So it's, it's interesting that it doesn't always apply. Yeah. And then I kind of want to, 
pivot just slightly to talk about people that have left MLM. Mm. And so after you leave MLM, it's not just walking out the door, right? Like we talked about this a little bit before uh, we got on too. And I think that that's something that's really hard for people um, is that that first step of leaving the MLM is really just like, I mean, I guess it's probably the second step, but it's a very multi-step process and it's going to take a long time to deconstruct all of that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to say something that, that might sound like I'm making light of something, but I'm not. Um, Let me explain. So in my opinion, MLMs are quite similar to abusive relationships. And I know I'm not trying to, you know, conflate like physical abuse with, with an MLM, but in the structure, they are very similar in the tactics. They are very similar in the way that they make you feel. They're very similar in the way that they keep you coming back. They're very similar. Um, And so when you look at an abusive relationship, first of all, I'm going to say women because those are the majority of people who are leaving abusive relationships. When women leave abusive relationships, they leave multiple times. The first time almost never takes. Um, that's, you know, pretty well documented. And I believe it's the same with MLMs. I believe that with for a lot of people, they'll leave one and they'll go to another because there's a sort of idea that that other one might be different because it's a different company um, without sort of recognition that the structure is the same, right? And, and I, I get that. I'm not blaming people for that. Like, you know, these tactics work because they work, right? Right. Um, so, uh, you know, but when people leave abusive relationships, they always talk about the fact that the actual leaving is sort of the, the very first step and there's so much else that needs to be done in terms of you know unlearning relearning you know finding value in yourself finding boundaries finding ways you know the ways in which you want to be treated and and, and that you won't accept you know etc and I think it's the exact same way with an MLM right. you're coming out of a space where you've been programmed to think a certain way about yourself about others about the world walking out the door doesn't change that you need to do a lot of work to deconstruct everything that is now sort of taken root inside of you and reframe the world, reframe money, reframe all of that and sort of find healthier ways to think about it. Um, And I think unfortunately that's something that doesn't get talked about enough and and that a lot of people don't sort of take that journey because they're not aware that it's a journey that needs to be taken. Right, yes. So I want to point back to an episode from November uh, titled, uh, I think it's the Stripper's Guide to Anti-MLM. That episode is like, we go into abusive relationships quite a bit and the similarities too. So if you haven't listened, please circle back everyone because that that was really good. And also, yeah, what we see in the anti-MLM community is what I, or what I notice is people that don't take the time to realize that it's more than one company are so apt to just fall right back into another one. They think it's them. They think it's the company. They think it's X, Y, and Z. It's going to be different this time. This one says that they're not an MLM. They're Mm -hmm. a social selling phenomenon or whatever. You know, they try to spin themselves in a different direction. And then you know, they get entrapped and entangled and enchanted by these companies, you know, and they think that this is going to be different. And where do we hear that? We hear that in abusive relationships all the time. 
he's changed. It's going to be different this time. This person's different. Just because this person does this doesn't mean that they're X, Y, Z, like this person is, you know, it, it's, it is like, and again, not, we're definitely not making what light of the seriousness of abusive relationships. I would never, ever, ever want to take away any, like it, that's that's not what this is about and also kind of just a reminder that uh in general trauma isn't a measuring contest just because one person's trauma might have more catastrophic uh ramifications does not discredit another person's trauma um that's like saying uh that I can't be happy over something because somebody else has it better than me yeah. Uh, which is just absolutely ridiculous when you flip that around, right? Yeah. Uh, you are allowed to be sad or hurt or upset about whatever experience that you've gone through. And you're also allowed to be happy about X, Y, and Z too. Uh, so again, just a reminder for everyone. And I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about um, the way that MLMs are, are similar to abusive relationships. And yes. the, the, you know, when it's good, it's really good, right? And when it's bad, right. it's really bad. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. And how he's different. He's changed that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, no, I didn't know mm-hmm. where I was going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think also some of the sort of sunken cost fallacy comes in there with the idea that like, you know, well, I went into this MLM and I tried to make it work and it didn't work. But it can't be the MLM because so many people have have done it well and I've put so much into this. So maybe if I just pivot to another MLM and I do the same work, like it's it's gonna, I don't know, I feel like it's this idea that like, if you admit that it didn't work, then you're admitting that you were duped. And then that makes you feel stupid and, and you know, immature or, or whatever, right? But like, it's not you. I promise you it's not right. you. It's no more your fault than someone, you know, who's leaving an abusive relationship. It's their fault, right? Like, it's right. no more anyone's fault. You're a victim of manipulation. You've been a victim of, you know, incredibly sophisticated tactics. That's not your fault. It's not. Um, and, and you know, you just, like, forgive yourself for that. It's okay. And and then move on, right? Um so I think that that's something too that I I would imagine there's a lot of guilt too in the sort of idea of, oh well you know I've heard that they don't work, but I didn't believe that you know and I I sort of fell for the tricks and stuff and now I have to make it work or else I feel dumb, right? And I get that I get that, but you know you're not dumb. It's these these tactics work because they work, you know. Right. And I think that also MLMs are really, really smart and how they are just how the culture works in general, because mm-hmm. you almost are blackmailing yourself in these things because you are posting all about it and you're putting all of this stuff out there for everyone in your life to see. They're watching you fall more and more and more in. And it becomes like an ego thing. Yeah. yeah. So then eventually, once the cognitive dissonance finally starts like really becoming present and you start to really start to look at it. Oh my God. I feel like I said that like five times. Um, It's early here. (laughs) It's early in the morning, guys. Uh, But yeah. So once you really start looking at the issues and like what is causing that cognitive dissonance and you start to realize what is actually going on it's embarrassing yeah and yeah and you have to like you have to put yourself on blast to get yeah. out 
yeah and you have to go back and like delete all these and you know you look at it in some ways it reminds me some some ways of, of how I am when I have when I start like dating someone new and I'm like this is the best person in the whole world look at them everybody celebrate it and then you know it ends and then I'm like oh sorry I lied like now I gotta go back and delete all this stuff take it back you know um right and I feel like it's that sort of embarrassment like yeah I was wrong like I you know went full force into this I bet you people knew I bet everyone was laughing at me you know I'm so pathetic I feel so bad and now when I go around my my friends from before they're gonna think I'm you know all these things like pathetic or I fell for this whatever and then when I if I go back to my MLM girls they're not going to want me either because I'm no longer in it so where do I fit in now you know um, right right I think and I think that can be very hard too right and I, that's actually something I've never really brought up is like the idea of this like self-induced blackmail uh which like I really think that we I need to think about even more and like dive into more but oh my god the leaf blower is so loud uh can you hear it now no, I just heard like a tiny bit of it, but it's not okay. like disrupted. Okay, that's good. Um, hopefully it doesn't come through in the recording. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's just like, it's so powerful because also I remember when I was in Texas, I was talking about like with people how, oh, this person's an MLM hopper and they're going from MLM to MLM. Like they just haven't found the, like they should just join me because like mine is so good. That's why they keep like leaving and leaving and leaving. And it it's, oh my God, I'm cringing so hard thinking about it. I've, <laughs> I've had a lot of like recent MLM memories like unlock in my head this oh. past week. And it's been really <laughs> rough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah yeah I you know and and that's the funny thing is that it really becomes a relationship with the MLM and like yeah. the MLM sort of community and the structure and stuff and it really like it impacts your entire life you know it impacts your relationships it impacts your finances it impacts your living situation it impacts your job it impacts right it impacts everything and it really is sort of you know having to disentangle yourself from that right it's right. You know, and it, I hate to keep bringing it back to this metaphor, but like a breakup, right? Like yeah. when you break up with someone that you've been with for a long time, you kind of have to, you know, well, like who's keeping what friends and can we all still, you know, communicate and, and is it awkward if we see each other and, you know, well, like who am I now without you and, and you know, what is my life going to look like and all this stuff, right? And, and you're, you're reeling with all that stuff. And on top of that, you're reeling with the embarrassment of I couldn't make this work. Right. You know? um, and, and then how do I go back to people who I maybe sort of was not so great to or, or said, you know, they told me it wasn't going to work. And I was like, no, you're wrong or something. You know, how do I go back to them and be like, you were right. I was wrong. You know, and I think that I need to be clear that I don't think that those fears need to be there. I understand that they are there, but I don't think that they need to be. Um, I think that, you know, people are a lot more understanding than we give them credit for. And I also think that, you know, your friends and family want the best for you. And when you come to the realization, you know, if you keep them in your life, of course. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you come to that real, if they, you come to the realization that this MLM no longer works for you and you go back to your friends and family and say, hey, like I've quit, they're not going to be like, ha ha, you're so stupid. Like I told you it wasn't going to work. You should have listened to me. Like you're so dumb. 
you know, hopefully, hopefully if, if you're keeping your family in your life, you know, that's not their reaction. The reaction is going to be, I'm so proud of you. I'm so, you know, grateful that you figured this out. Like, I'm really proud of you for learning, blah, blah, blah. Right. You don't need to, to punish yourself or hold yourself in exile. You don't need to, you know, self-flagellate. You made a mistake. It cost you. And now you're fixing it. That's it. That's just life, you know? Um, but I think that that sort of shame that comes with MLMs is, is a motivating factor in both staying and in isolating. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. And this actually kind of brings me to some of my projects for 2023 is I have actually reached out to my old downlines and they are all going to come on the podcast now that I've deconstructed enough that I can like have those conversations. That's and talk amazing. about things that I have done to them. We're going to have wow. open, real conversations about what that was like. And, wow. you know, I know that's going to be, it's our, like, even just thinking about it is really hard for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been avoiding it, but I really want to provide this opportunity for one, for them to be able to share their story, just like I would for anyone else. But also mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of us in the anti-MLM space really doing this. And like mm-hmm. taking the time to really hold, hold that mirror up in a public right. way. Right. Um, so I, uh, I'm planning to put it all out there for you guys. It, it is on the calendar for. That's amazing. For things. Honestly. I'm, I'm really excited about it, but also terrified. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, you know, but I think that's like, I think you're a really great example of you. someone who is not holding themselves to old standards, you know, someone who's not sort of. Um, punishing themselves for eternity for you know something a decision they made in the past right and that's that's great you know like and and you don't have to ignore things that you've done in order to move past them right like acknowledging it and and allowing people to sort of voice how they feel and voice you know and get that out is a really um great thing to do for someone to allow them that opportunity and and it it also is going to help you grow and and you know deconstruct your time there and stuff I I think that's amazing I really I can't wait for that I mean I was always at the bottom of the pyramid so like I think that it's definitely like different but more relatable to the majority of our audience here right um but all of my downline have all told me that they didn't think I did anything weird or cringy and I'm like you guys have like (laughs) <laughs> guys <laughs> Come on. Yeah. like that is not true and like I have like vivid memories of things that I like said to them and like I wasn't doing anything maliciously like I I never right. I really thought I was helping them I really thought that like we were gonna like do the thing together and it was gonna be awesome but like looking back on it I'm like oh my god yeah like yeah but I think that's a really good point too, is just that like a lot of us, you know, hurt people without trying to, you know, I know like I for sure have, um, you know, like a lot of, a lot of the time, the majority, I would say the majority of the times that people hurt people, it's not with malicious intent, you know? Yeah. And I think that recognizing that and recognizing that you can do something hurtful and you can hurt people and do something you know bad without being a bad person and without without having malicious intent and without you know being a quote villain or bad guy is really important because if you think that 
doing a bad thing makes you a bad guy, you're never going to acknowledge that you've done a bad thing because you don't want to think of yourself as a bad guy. But realizing that good people can do bad things and that that's not the be all and end all of their goodness as long as they, you know, recognize and make amends. Like, I think that's a really important part. And that's, you know, obviously talking to releasing shame and releasing guilt and, and how unproductive those feelings are, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know that you were like looking into lots of things and all of this stuff in preparation to come on here today. So is there a topic that you want to pivot to that you were looking into? Um, honestly, there's so many like discussions I could have about it. I feel like I started, so in preparation, I actually started doing a bit of a deep dive into the rise of MLM um, and like multi-level marketing, uh, specifically companies like Tupperware and Avon, which were, you know, the first sort of, um, the first ones, um, coupled with the rise of women in the workplace, because those two things were quite, um, sort of, were very inextricable. Um, And there's so much to that, that to be honest, I feel like there's so much more research I need to do. But the one thing that I will say is that um, when you look at it, when you look at the timeline, it makes it inequivocally clear that multi-level marketing is a incredibly uh, pervasive and important tool of the patriarchy to keep women down. It is this idea that A, women belong in the home. Let's make that very clear. MLMs are the idea that women belong in the home. The idea that you can be a mom, you can cook for your kids, you can take care of your house and also contribute to finances. Obviously you can be a great mom and a great partner and have a full-time job. That's not a thing not even going to give that air, right? So the, the full sort of idea of MLMs to begin with is incredibly sexist. B, um, the rise of women in the workplace was also the beginning of the death of, you know, the idea of a nuclear family, the idea of, you know, the hierarchy of men and women, all of that stuff. All of a sudden now women can not only work, but have their own bank accounts, you know, and that's huge. That's a huge piece of progress for women. And that's a huge piece of progress for women's liberation. The patriarchy, which is inextricably linked with capitalism, cannot have that. They cannot have, sorry. You know, I I just, sorry, I just want to interrupt you real fast because you know what? We talk about the patriarchy and capitalism all the time on this podcast, but I've never defined either of them. Yeah, let's do it. I, I, I feel like you would be the perfect person to do that. Absolutely. Um, okay, so the patriarchy definition. Um, it's not something that you can sort of put in like one sentence, right? Yeah. It's not like, uh, but if I was going to put it in a sentence, it would be something like um, the patriarchy is the system of society in which males are inherently uh inherently valued over men right Uh, sorry over women they're inherently valued over women they are um the head of the family the uh family line can only be traced back to males right so the idea that that you know women are untrustworthy and we can just be having someone else's baby right so uh the family line can only be traced back to men um so, so basically the idea that in in a culture men are the penultimate they are the norm they are the um 
sort of provide, they are the people that build society and that keep it running and women are subservient. Um, the idea of the patriarchy too, and this is something that confuses a lot of people, is not about hating on men. It's not about saying all men suck. It's not about saying all men are controlling and abusive. The patriarchy has very little to do with individual men. In fact, I would, I would go on and say the patriarchy has nothing to do with individual men. It has everything to do with systems of power, structure, government, et cetera. And even if a woman is in power, it can still be a patriarchy. And I think the US is a perfect example of that. You know, the Supreme Court is about 50-50 now, men and women, and it's obviously still making decisions that benefit men, right? So that's a perfect example of the way in which gender has almost nothing to do with, like the gender of the leaders has almost nothing to do with um, the patriarchy. So we obviously live in a patriarchy. Um, things like that are evident in the fact that the world is built for men by default. Um, you know, even something so small as, you know, the average office temperature is set for a temperature that is most comfortable for the male body. Such a small thing, but men are the default, men are the norm, right? Uh, we don't say male comedians, male actors, male directors. We say female comedians, female doctors, female actors, female directors, you know? Um, because that's a caveat, that's an asterisk that we put beside it. She's a comedian, but a female comedian, and she's funny for a woman, you know? Um, so I know, right? Uh, capitalism, capitalism is a little bit harder for me to define just because my understanding of capitalism is quite, uh, like the I've studied capitalism through a specifically gendered lens, um, but it's basically the sort of economic system based in private ownership. So uh, where the means of production um, and, and uh, the, the operation are sort of owned and profited, uh, or sorry, and profit the people at the top rather than the people who are actually doing producing. So, um, you know, the fact that someone like Elon Musk owns Tesla and is making the most money off of it when the scientists that created it and the people who are actually making the Teslas are making a pittance, that's capitalism, right? In a, in a non-capitalist world, everyone who has a hand in the means of production would be making the same amount of money and the means of production would be owned by um, so the two main terms are the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. So the proletariat would be the average citizen. The bourgeoisie would be like the 1% with all the money. Um, and a lot of those terms come from sort of the Bolshevik, you know, Russian revolution. Um, but we've, we've very much adopted them into sort of just any conversation about capitalism. So the reason that I think capitalism, capitalism, <laughs> capitalism and feminism are inextricably linked is because um, feminism is inherently about liberation and capitalism is inherently about uh, not that, about, about quite frankly, um, slavery. You know, the argument could be made that it's about slavery, especially when you take into account, you know, the, uh, the state of the prison systems right now, you know, the fact that, um, 
you know, I, I, I've been following a lot of your, your, the U.S. elections and, and the fact that, you know, slavery is still legal in a lot of places, right, as a form of punishment. That's all capitalism. That's all, you know, the, the less we have to pay people to make things, the more money we at the top can make, right? Um, so if feminism is about liberation and about uh, not being shackled to, you know, gender norms, to ideas of, um, you know, class and and socioeconomic status and that, then capitalism is completely antithetical. So that's my little spiel on that. Um, hopefully that makes makes some sense. I'm definitely, um, this is something that I'm talking more about on my TikTok and on my Instagram. So again, that's Maiden Mother Crone CA. Um, Maiden Mother Crone, for anyone who's aware, is, is the uh, sort of ancient pagan idea of the triple goddess um, sort of in it, it, it's I don't I'm not personally a pagan but I love the idea of um, the pagan idea of the the power of women uh, so that's kind of where it came from um, but anyway so that's that's a little bit about capitalism and feminism if you're interested in more of that you can definitely give me a follow yes 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 thank you for like going down that rabbit hole because like I yeah said, I mean we're in we're this actually my is this the 100th episode I don't even know I know it's coming up <laughs> um oh my gosh that would be really exciting but yeah like I said like it, it, we're close to 100 uh 93 94 95 96 97 yeah so we're like right there I think that yeah. we're gonna hit it in the next couple of episodes I think uh if I have that right <clears throat> um and we haven't even defined those so I'm really <laughs> glad that we finally did yeah right yeah and that's listening and is like I like kind of understand but like not really yeah I remember like at one point I didn't really get it and I had to like go and google it all and try yeah there is and I again like I said like so I have a degree in gender and women's studies um but that means that a lot of my sort of knowledge about you know, capitalism and politics and stuff like that is, is very much framed through that lens. Right. But I've been trying to learn a lot more about, um, you know, economic structures and stuff like that, because I think that's something that, you know, people should know about. And I'm definitely not. Um, I just found actually, I mean, to give another shout out if that's okay. I just found yeah. another creator on TikTok who I'm learning a lot about sort of capitalism and socialism from, and their name is... Uh, soya 2024 soya like like soy um so s-o-y-a 2024 um and they're great uh they do a lot of grassroots work as well um in various cities so um i'm gonna be getting involved with that in toronto as well so definitely give them a follow um, yeah there is somebody that i follow too i can never remember their name oh wait i'm looking at the wrong thing so I'm hoping that I can like find them and I'm randomly going to blurt it out. Uh, but they like own their own business and they, um, they structure it. They're on TikTok. They have green hair right now. Uh, <laughs> that's, it, they, I, I think I, I can't remember their pronouns, so I don't want to misgender them. Uh, but they have long green hair. They present fairly feminine, uh, and they have like a clothing line and everyone there gets paid the same amount. Uh, they have unlimited time off. That's very cool. I am obsessed with them. I yeah. love their TikToks. I'm trying, I really want to find it. If I don't find it, I will put it in the show notes. Yeah, uh, so please do. Find it. 
them um, because they are just so cool. And like, I really love listening to them talk and they bring up like a lot of good (coughs) like show how different structures like can actually work. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just really cool because like, they're like, so they work on like a break even model. And if they come up with any extra money in the business, they like paid for everyone to get a new car. And if they didn't drive, they like got everyone like new couches or something. Like right. That. Like it all goes back into the company people, the people right, working exactly, there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so cool. It's so fascinating. And That's I'm just very like, cool. wow. Like yeah. it's amazing to see people actually do that and make it work in this capitalistic society that we. Yeah. A hundred percent. Happen to be in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, MLMs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you were talking about your, when I interrupted you, you were talking about your, um, research that you've been looking into. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, the rise of those, those types of companies, the rise of, of MLMs coincides with, uh, the rise of women in the workplace. Um, and the, you know, before, before this time, the only rights women really had were to vote, right? Like the only rights we really, and it was only white women as well. Um, so, you know, you have, and only white affluent women. So there's very, a lot of caveats, right? So before then, you know, white affluent women could vote. They still couldn't have a bank account. They still couldn't, you know, they still had to ask their husband's permission for a lot of stuff. They still, you know, they didn't have rights to family planning. They didn't have rights to property. They didn't have, you know, um, they could only own property if their husband died. Uh, Before the suffragettes, if your husband died, his property went to like the bank or his family or something. You didn't get it as the wife. Now, as after the suffragettes, if your husband dies, you can you can own his property, but only if he dies. Um, so I would imagine that there were a lot of black widows happening. Um, but uh, you know, come sort of second wave where where you've got, you know, like Gloria Steinem and Angela Davis and stuff fighting for women's rights outside the home. Um, so things like the ability to uh, family plan, aka birth control, um, which is obviously huge. That's the only way women are able to work, right? The advent of birth control was the was the first step in us being able to work, um, you know. And then you have, uh, you know, women being allowed to get divorced, women being allowed to own property, women being allowed to sort of, you know, be actual human beings who are relatively self sufficient, right? And with that came the unique need for women to have a place to work and make money so that they could be relatively independent and a place for them to still fulfill the societal gender roles that were still expected of them. Because now that women were in the workplace, it wasn't that they didn't have to get married and have kids. They did. They still had to do all that stuff. They just had to do both. So what MLMs and what network marketing, what that sort of structure gave them was the ability to both make money and work and fulfill their wifely motherly duties. Of course, we're not in that place anymore. We know now that a woman can be a good mom and a good partner and take care of the house or whatever uh, and work because her partner should also be doing the other half of that work, right? Um, So we recognize sort of equality and stuff. The problem is, is that that dream of having it all, um, you know, quote unquote, which I need to address as well, that dream of having it all is still like very alive and well, because we still very much expect women to do it all. We don't ask men to be present fathers and 
to be the breadwinners. We don't ask men to be the ones putting their kids to bed, helping with homework, going to school, parent-teacher interviews, cleaning the house, doing the cooking, all of that, while also having a full-time job. We do ask that of women. So if there's an opportunity for a woman to be able to stay home and take care of all that stuff and feel like she can be present at home and make money and work, that's the best of both worlds. Of course, this idea of having it all is a fallacy. You cannot have it all because there are 24 hours in a day and that's the way it works. That's why we have things like priorities. What is your priority? You know, if you want to be a stay-at-home mom and you want to be with your kids, that's a priority and that's perfectly fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you don't want to do that, if you would rather go back to work, that's also perfectly fine. Your kids are going to be fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that either. <clears throat> yeah, I, so, I would love to yeah. just, like take the second to interject and just say like I think this is like the perfect like uh highlight of stay-at-home culture too, like mm-hmm. work from home. Like mm-hmm. the first thing, so I work from home. And the first thing when like the pandemic and stuff happened and like what then when like I started to like after the lockdown and like work from home kind of became a little bit more stable and permanent for me anyways. Mm-hmm. Um I was like, oh, this is perfect. I can do the laundry in between sessions. I can do the dishwasher between sessions. I could vacuum. I can take care of the dog. I can do, I can do Grand all plans, of these right? things. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, like, yeah, obviously like I still need to do those things, but like the whole thing that like we're excited about when it comes to working from home is continuing to work. Yeah. 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 And it's also like, the idea of working from home, I personally think, like the idea of working from home and trying to also do it all. Like mm-hmm. if you're working from home, go into your office or like your your desk, go to your desk, wherever you work and be present at work. Don't try and also take care of your house because then you're not present in either, you know? Like, right. So I think like that idea that like working from home is simply the idea that you don't have to travel. It's not like, oh, now you can use, you know, how much spare time do you actually have at work? Like, (laughs) you know, as a teacher, if I'm working from home, that doesn't mean I have spare time to do my laundry. (laughs) I'm not, you know, I don't even get time to pee when I'm at school. So I don't, you know, it's just kind of this absurd idea. But what working from home kind of allows people to do is expect way more of themselves than they would if they were working outside the home. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. I scrolled through my entire followers thing followers? and I still didn't find. I know that I follow them, but I must have scrolled past it. I must, I don't really remember what their profile picture looks like. So yeah, oh well, fair. <laughs> I will find it. I will put it out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's so crazy. Like, I mean, for me as a therapist, working from home is pretty much only convenient when I have a cancellation because then I'm like, I can actually take a break. Right, right. Uh, versus the like two minutes I have between sessions where I'm like, I'm going to shove a cracker down my throat and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and go pee. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. 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 And also my wardrobe has changed. That's oh, yeah. I've been working from home. Oh, I get, yeah. I have way more sweatpants now and I love it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what's also funny too is like, the you know something that I realized is like the convenience of working from home doesn't apply to people in MLMs because they're having to blast themselves all over social media so it's not like you can just you know wear your pajamas with no makeup and not do your hair like 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, right. <laughs> that's what I do, but like right. for their brand, that's not, you know, that's not on brand. If you're trying to sell makeup, you right. probably shouldn't look like shit. Right. Um, that was but, actually, so, so sorry, actually, when yeah. I was in Plexus, one of the big things like on our lives in our team page was, um, this woman who was at the top, she would come on and she would say like, I'm in my yoga pants right now. But like, so this is the thing for me, I have a hard time understanding it. And I don't understand when people do and don't do makeup. Um, (laughs) because I like never wear makeup. I used to only wear makeup to like weddings and stuff, but I've been to like four weddings this year and I didn't put makeup on once. So that that's gone out the window. Um, but you know, so they'll come on and they'll like be in like casual, like at leisure wear, but they'll look cute and they're still wearing makeup. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay, like, but how, so like, and they're bragging about how like they had to do so little and they get to wear their comfy pants. Yeah. Yeah. Then they're still wearing like a full face of makeup. Yeah. Like, but also I will put the caveat in that I barely understand what a full face of makeup is. So like (laughs) a full um, face of makeup is like, like, as someone who has, you know, done, like I've been in film, I've done theater, like I've modeled, it is a long, like it is a process. Even when I do my own, like I don't wear that much makeup and I don't often, but when I do my full face and I don't even do like a full face, like it takes a while, it's work, you know, like it's not, so, but, but, and then, and you know, and the hair is always done, like the extensions, the curling, the, and it's not that that's like, if that's what you want to do, that's right. perfectly fine. There's nothing right. wrong with There's that. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. If you're, if you're I- someone that does makeup for yourself and like for yourself, as yes, like you exactly. do you boo boo, but if you're doing it for others. Yes. And, and what I really hate is this. I spent two hours getting ready. I woke up like this. No, you didn't yeah. admit it. Just say you put the work in. And quite frankly, why wouldn't you want the credit for that? You put the work in and you look great. Yeah. You know? Like, but this, this idea that like, oh, well, I just look like this naturally. I didn't even have to put work in. And then everyone looking at you is like, well, naturally I look like a toad. So <laughs> I don't like, I have to put a lot of work in if I want to look like that, you know? And I think that's the same thing that we get with all the, I mean, I think that's what drives the beauty industry, right? Mm-hmm. The, the idea that like, it, it's negging, right? right? You're great, but not good enough. Right. You know? And if you buy our product, you will be, right? Um, it's right. the same with all the, you know, the beauty, the health, all that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and it all plays into that. So we have gone all over the place. We have. Is there anywhere else that you want to go before I ask you my final question? Um, no, you know what? I feel like we really touched on a lot of great stuff. I mean, obviously we could go for hours into all of this. Um, but I feel like we really talked about some great stuff. And like, I have time. I'm not trying to kick you out. No, no, not at all. No, but I mean, no, it's one of those things like we could do a podcast on each of these topics. Uh, Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. They're all very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Final question. What is your anti MLM? Why? Ooh, that's a good one. My anti MLM why is uh, the one word would be feminism mm-hmm. uh, and women's empowerment. The explanation of that would be um, I hate seeing empowered sexism and the idea of sexist things being portrayed as somehow empowering because we chose them. 
Um, there's nothing empowering about an MLM. There's nothing empowering about a, a business structure that cuts you off from people you care about and that, you know, drains you of money, that drains you of, you know, life, basically, you know, and is quite frankly run by men because the majority of MLMs are, are run by men, right? Right. Um, so my why would be feminism. I want women to know and see and feel their worth in their bones and never ever ever feel like they have to put up with insulting or belittling or whatever kind of crap and also understand that they're allowed to say no no is a full perfectly acceptable sentence and it's a great one probably my favorite word absolutely all right one more time can you tell the people where to find you yeah I said it a few times but yeah so you can find me at maiden mother crone ca um that's on instagram and tiktok i also have an etsy shop um yes i looked at it last night yeah so i sell i sell mostly um like feminist stuff but i also have some really great um like swimsuits and stuff uh the reason that I like to plug my swimsuits is just that they are so, so well-fitting and they are eco-friendly. Um, they are made with an entire, uh, I think it's 88% recycled polyester and the rest is um, a recycled lycra. Um, and they are uh, made specifically to withstand um, UV and chlorine better. So I'm really passionate about like eco-justice because I think that that also has a lot to do with feminism and with, you know, anti-colonialism and stuff. So you can check out my shop. Um, it's the links are all in my bio. Uh, again, that's Maiden Mother Crone CA on Instagram and TikTok. Yes, absolutely. And I would like to also plug too, like we all live here. So like we should all really care about the environment and <laughs> Uh, if we want to continue to live here and live healthy, then we, and that's such a loaded word, um, <laughs> really need to you yeah. know, do our part and, you know, however you can help. And if you're in the market for a new swimsuit, then like that might be a good avenue mm-hmm. for you to look at. Just saying everyone, I know that it is December, but uh, <laughs> yeah. anyone's so, planning on going somewhere warm. Right. Well, I mean, uh, you know, January 1st, right? We're going to start seeing swimsuits at Target. So yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> so don't buy it there. If you're going on a cruise or something, mm-hmm. you go to the Etsy shop. I also Are- do custom designs if anyone Ooh. is uh, looking for something specific. That's good to know. That's good to yeah. know. All right, everyone. I hope that you have a fabulous day. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, there will be no episodes coming out uh the weeks of christmas and new year's but i will catch you guys at the beginning of january and i'm so excited to start season three with y'all have a fantastic day bye hey huns i just wanted to take a second to tell you guys about acorn and no this is not a sponsored ad acorn is a robo investing account that i've been using to manage my money since i've started my own small business I honestly had no idea what I was doing in regards to saving for the future, but knew I needed to start somewhere and thought this was a great way to get the ball rolling. I really like the interactive graphics and watching what's going on with my money. If this is something that you feel interested in, feel free to click the link in my bio to start your own Acorn account and we'll both get $5 added in our accounts for our investing future. Happy savings!